You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Catherine Spence. Catherine, thanks so much for being with me today. Well, thanks for having me. Catherine, we're going to talk about your show at P. Bebo um, in New York. And the show just closed recently, October 22nd. We're talking a month later on the 23rd of November. Um, let's let's talk about this show because um, it was it was in this kind of wonderful space that I've been to a few times. People in Bow, I really like their their gallery, their space. It's it's so intimate and 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 really small. Um, and your your work in there, which was um, sculptural, although although hard to actually place it in the specific category, fit really well in there. Um, tell me a little bit about the the show itself, when you were thinking of showing in there, um, was there a theme that you were going after in terms of the show itself or, or how you approached that space? Well, the space became really important because it's so, it's so intimate, like you said. Um, so I really designed the, I had this work that I've been working on for the last few years and um, they're small objects which have relationships with each other. And so the objects became it became a relationship with the space, which often happens in my work because it's really about, like when I work, I tend to work on many things at once and they, the, uh, the relationship between the things is, is as important as, as the individual objects. Um, they kind of have uh, relationships which they, I guess, uh, anyway, the, <laughs> the space becomes really important. And so that space being so tiny, um, I built the the tables which have the objects um, on them in relationship to it. So when you walk around, you get a sense of the space, your body in relationship with the space and in relationship with these sort of intimate objects that as you get more into looking at them, they have more detail. So they have kind of have a lot of detail. But it's sort so of let's an talk about those, those, those you know, intimate so. objects because wait, it's an installation, but those objects are also, um, you know, there's a there's a number of aspects to them. But but let's just jump right into those those objects. Um, they look like piles of things, you know, um, <laughs> almost like drawing, um, but they all seem sort of personal and that it's clothing, like it could be getting prepared for quilting. But there's also some kind of architectural thing happening there. Sometimes they look like birds sitting on a line or, or something else. Can you tell me a little bit about them? I, I, I love that they're sort of hard to define. I can't really say exactly what one is or the other other than it all feels like sculpture to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, they feel, they definitely feel like a drawing in space. I think I've been working with objects for so long that it becomes uh, really fluid for me, and it becomes uh, kind of like a drawing in space, and then the relationships between the things. So the the things are are built up out of. I I was having. Um, I'm actually really into birding, and and um, my work tends to be about about the natural world and our relationship with it. So uh, I kind of for these particular pieces, I started by thinking about. Um, I was working at a working out of my house um, because I'm doing a lot of I'm sort of restoring this um, area um, in my yard 
with native plants and and um, doing a lot of research on what plants attract what butterflies and, and moths and um, I've been I recommend this book by Doug Palamy. It's called Nature's Best Hope, and it's about <coughs> um, restoring the environment around you with native plants and with um, basically, you, you know, people have these great big lawns and they have this, we're, we're basically, um, <laughs> I'm kind of going on about this, but it's, that's okay. No, I'm so interested in that because cause, cause that's interesting. Your your relationship to the natural world, the fact that all these look a little bit like like nests or something. The the part of your your property that you're restoring is is important. It's it's part of what's happening here, right? It really it really is, and so it 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 go, gets into into my work, and and so um, I use all these things that are discards, basically, whether it's from my own clothing or from thrift stores and so everything I use is is um is not new and that's important and then I kind of transform it by um taking it apart um I like using things that look like they've already had a life because then they bring that to the conversation um and so a lot of the things end up looking kind of natural <laughs> even though they're very Kind of manipulated by me by my hands it, it's all looks very handmade i guess um so um is, i guess is, I is like the restoration part of your, your your property started to drop just to, to, to dive it a little deeper into that because it seems like it's such a interesting relationship the the restoration of that part of your property tell me a little bit more about that that's a certain like theory of of restoration and is it is it woods or, or what kind of land how does that well, how does that work yeah, it's it's oak woodland um, here where I live. I moved here about eight years ago um, when I got married, and um, it's it's a suburb, kind of a suburban neighborhood, but it's kind of semi-rural. And what I'm doing is uh, there's there's a lot a lot of naturally occurring oak trees and sort of toyong and and I'm uh, but then there's sort of the encroachment with lawns and and juniper bushes that people tend to do and so I've been res- I've been taking that out and and restoring it and you know using drought tolerant things and um and basically trying to plant it with with native plants that would occur here naturally or you know wh- which would occur here before the onslaught <laughs> of, of what of development what people do with it, with the development so but, and so meanwhile, I, I um, try to plant a lot of things that attract birds and, and uh, insects and, you know, um, pollinators. So it's just been so engaging to do this and to, to watch the, the um, to watch it work. Like I, I um, have been, there's been so many new insects and new, um, there's so many birds in this yard and, and then um, I brought water, you know, like a f- water fountains and stuff like that. Um, anyway, there's lots of information out there to um, a lot of people. It's kind of a movement that's going on with people uh, restoring. Um, they call it rewilding, and like say in Europe or whatever. But um, like I was saying, this book by Doug Tao, and he talks about <clears throat> if we would restore all these areas that sort of have lawn and you know just sort of the the areas that have been um, in a way, they're 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 wasted because they they become areas where you you can't 
uh, where um, <laughs> the natural the, the natural he calls it ecosystem services where they can't occur because it's just lawn and then people add pesticides and they you know have to mow and they have to use those blowers and stuff so if we restore these areas he talks about being able to um, have it's like a homegrown national park it's a, a new national park that we can have because there's just so much land that's being used this way like in lawns and and uh, and in restoring them in, instead to something like pollinator gardens or, uh, or pollinator gardens or or, uh, or habitat just animal habitat bird habitat um, you know shrubs and trees that are that are native to the area instead of these trees that act, act like you know he talks about say an oak tree having like 300 different insects that use it as opposed you know but if you plant say a ginkgo tree which is from china there's like two insects that use that and so the birds don't use it um because because there's not enough insects for them to support having a family you know like like say a chickadee can't reproduce with when there's so many non-native trees because there's not enough insects for them because the, they require so many insects to um support a you know their family you know <laughs> you know what i mean um yeah 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 no i do i do that's so that's so interesting so and where are you where where is your area now that you're doing this oh uh, we're, we're in moraga yeah in moraga california so it's it's in the east bay in contra costa county um and so let's talk about how that worked because because that's a different kind of engagement with the land that's like being a steward of the land right it's it's a, a, a position yeah, exactly. to take environmentally on, on how on how we manage the land and you know and, and and kind of care for it so in the in the works that you're doing which is you saying talk to each other and as i mentioned one looks like like birds on a line which which perhaps they may yeah. be um, this is part of that, that process. Can you talk about those objects in relationship to that? Because now these objects, through the lens of what you, you're just saying, feel to me like um, it's specifically about almost that process of, of rewilding. I haven't heard that term, but that makes sense. You know? um, is, is, is that a bit what's happening here in, in your work, that these, these objects that we can't quite define but look kind of alive or about to be alive is a almost a form of rewilding <laughs> yeah I, mm. well I feel I, I guess um, looking at um, the work kind of started with me uh, with the kind of idea with these ideas of they're kind of <laughs> of how I feel about about owls in particular so um, I would start to think about um, a particular species of owl because I I go birding and I find owls and you know I find find birds and identify them and stuff like that. So I would think about it or or kind of be pondering those and and um, it sort of started generating the objects. Um, and I and then they would develop out of that, and then I I would have the them in mind, but then the object would sort of take a life of its own, um, and then it seems like a lot of the time the objects end up looking like birds when I didn't even realize it. <laughs> like people will say those all look like a bird, and I'm like, oh, that's right. I think it's it's sort of 
intuitively they they sort of ha- have a life and then that's sort of where I live in my mind and it it ends up having that information in it, you know? Um, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I know it's hard to talk about all this, but you're, you're being clear and, and that does make sense. And, the, and when you talk about kind of bird watching and owls, um, is there also a way birds are are making things, nests, or, or working the land yes. themselves. That's also reflected here because that's so much a part of what you what you do or what you're looking at, right? You're looking at birds. Yeah. You're looking at habitat yeah. and I imagine kills and whatever they're doing. I love that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love what you just said. It, it It's really, I mean, I talk about birds, but when I think about birds and look at birds or my work, the reason that they're interesting to me is because they're related to everything else. Like the bird is not just the bird object. It's related to where it's standing or where, or where it's going or what it's eating or what flowers and plants and trees it's, it's relating to or, or reciting, residing in. You know, it's all connected. And that's actually the most interesting thing um, because... Uh, when you see the one thing, you you experience all of it, and that, in a way, that's the same with 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 us when we interact in the world. We're connected to everything, and and all those relationships are important. You know, from waste to um, activity. You you know, all all of the relationships that mm. we have, and so. And the, anyway. and the and the and, 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 and no, that makes sense, right? It's this whole ecosystem, right? That um, yeah, we have to be cognizant of that. Otherwise, you know, it 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 kind of messes up the, the the whole workings of it and the flow, like you were talking about, bringing in an invasive species as opposed to not managing the land in a different way. So these these um, these objects, these sculptures, um, are, are are look like they're often layers, right? Not all of them, but yeah. some of them look like. Like 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 rock that you can see in layers on some cliffs. Um, like it's really built, hand built for a while. The way clay might, or 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 even the way paper might be stacked. Um, that's kind of yeah. part of your uh, like language or technique, right? To me, it looks like oh, something's being built, but that it's a piece of like a piece <laughs> of architecture or something, right? These layers look. <laughs> Look, look strong, right? That's that's part of yeah, well, kind of consistent well, thread for this, right? Well, the funny thing is, is is working them up like that has has to do with like memory and then also forgetting. Like when I build them up and then I look at it and then it looks like something happened and then actually I forget that it was me that did it and then it just looks like oh something happened and then I get to respond to that again, you know, because. When I think of these layers, I think of sort of time passing. So does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. It does. I like that. I like that it seems like time passing because that is the the relationship to the to the stone, perhaps for me. Um, in in, in well, it's funny that you say stone because stone, stone takes so much longer. <laughs> but um, like dirt and piles and and uh, I I think a lot about compost composting and stuff like that. Um, but it, it it is really a funny thing when you make stuff uh, uh, when you pile uh, 
the relationship between um, the self-conscious act of making of making say making a mark, but then like it, when you're making these piles, it, it really does lend itself to since time went by and you forgot. It, you make this pile and then you get to respond as if you just found it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's so interesting. Anyway, but and, that and, is helpful to your mind, you know, that you, you know, you just come, oh, I come across this thing, but then actually I, I had made it, you know. But then it, if, if it's a pile of something, it feels like something from before or something that's lost and then found or, you know, something like that. Maybe that yeah, that is how it looks, but but <laughs> I would imagine, but that, but that, but of course, that's not exactly how they're happening, right? These these pieces, especially some of the white ones, that are all of these these layers. These are individual layers that you're slowly building, right, and putting together. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm interested in the difference between like a solid pile of fabric and then like a chunk of plaster or a piece of rock, you know. Um, and building building one, which is kind of more of a surprising thing, then and putting the other one next to it, and then looking at those two two things and saying, and having like a physical response or like asking, like your brain just has a question mark, oh. <laughs> you know, something like right. that. Right. Yeah, I like that. I like or, your brain or, or question mark. <laughs> or piling up the, like one of them or some of them you pile them up I, I pile them up as I'm making them and then like you dig a hole and pull something out and it's like a surprise <laughs> like what's in there <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> yeah so yeah, build it up, the, the, up the, and then you kind of turn it over and like oh yeah you know what is it it's like a created surprise or something yeah yeah that's so You're interesting fun to so talk when... to about <laughs> well I'm glad that's the idea <laughs> you are too mm-hmm. So, so in this in, in, in this installation, um, part of what's happening is there's it looks almost like a little city, right? There's some architecture going on there. These aren't just shelves or a wire for what may be birds to sit on. It it feels like a little city, like a like a design type of architecture of some kind, or or maybe it isn't. How do you, how do you view that the the kind of specific installation you're doing, which looks like you're delineating at the very least certain spaces yeah well that that was what was so much fun about doing this installation is is um i I would i would think oh you know this one i kind of want it to be behind something because um i i want it separated from something else so i would put put like make like a little separator type wooden thing shelf like and then and now I'd put it behind there and then I would have this weird feeling of like being in a parking garage you know or, or a weird spatial feeling of like um it would just something else would come to mind as I just put a piece of wood for the thing to go on and and so that was for me that was very um I don't know I guess as as you would walk around the table, different you would have a different response than another person because these sort of spatial memories or things that get recalled are different for people. And and so I would have a funny feeling of, you know, say parking garage. <laughs> Although I don't want someone to think, oh, parking garage in my work. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Just these spatial things have a feeling and like have a, um, you have a response to it or a, 
it reminds you of something, you know. Because right, as we live in this world where we're, we're wandering around, you know, with our relationship with all these things, physical and emotional, and it's it's all very, I don't know, like if we just thought about it all day, like all those different feelings that all this stuff evokes, you know, anyway, something like that. And, <laughs> and, and we're looking at things, of course, like you say, you know, like all day we're, you know, there's different things that we look at evoke different things. In this exhibit, there's, there's nothing on the walls. These are all on two tables in the middle, which is, which is an interesting way of, of like changing the space of a gallery. Instead of looking at the walls and maybe there's sculpture in the middle, there's nothing on the walls. And so yeah. we're, we're forced to look at like what's in the middle of the room and kind of examine it in a different way. Um, I imagine that's yeah. intentional, right? It, it has something to do with mm-hmm. how you also interact with, with nature or outdoors, but we're not, um, I mean, maybe that's a stretch that I'm going on, but we're not looking at walls outside, right? We're, yeah. we're looking, at, as a bird watcher maybe, or, or, or following owls and, and what they leave behind, you're, you're looking down into, <laughs> is, is that part of what's happening there? Oh, yeah. No, that's really important. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, I, I, I've always felt that I wanted to make things that people would just have a response to and they, it, it's not a prescribed response. Like, I, I just want them to experience these things, you know. And so putting them, like, configuring, configuring them differently or putting them not on the wall, it helps with that. Like, a, it helps with having just a, a kind of a experience. <laughs> like yeah, a, well, well, for it, each person it makes the center of the room very active right it it changes yeah. it, it changes the gaze of the viewer right where the walls exactly. in this context almost seems like like it would give you something to look at so you know you, you wouldn't have the challenge of understanding objects in front of you because sculpture I think it is a little bit difficult or, or can be difficult for viewers, right? I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe that's an odd comment, but I just think sometimes <laughs> you know, with, with images, whether they're abstract or not, we can, we can look at them in ways that are, that are decorative if we really don't see what's happening here. But, but with sculpture and with these, that's kind of impossible. These, these we're not looking at as, as abstract, decorative objects they seem like something else that's that's hard to yeah, define exactly. that something to do with what we're talking about <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah well it's, it's great talking about all of this and um and, and and working on that on that scale so this again this space was small you've had a lot of shows in a lot of different places the fact that the gallery is the kind of um, intimate size that it is, you were saying, just to kind of bookend this with the beginning, you were saying that that helped to determine the arrangement and the viewer experience, mm-hmm. right? How you set the, the show up, that changed like the scale of it, or, or how did that affect the, the installation itself? Yeah, you but, know, I, I, yeah, I feel very, when, when, I, when I do a show, I, I feel strongly not to uh, stuff stuff it with too many objects or stuff it with too many too much information because I want there to be sort of a a feeling of of uh, being able to um, be quiet I guess and and not um, feel encroached upon and so I feel 
I wanted it to to feel like people could walk around and and kind of have a relationship with the objects without feeling crunched in. <laughs> and um and so it was real I was real careful about making the the tables really small. Um and and the relationships um proportional to the space. Um and then if you put too many things in, uh then the other things can't uh, they can't uh I guess be you can't pay attention to too many things. It has to be the right amount of things. And so I wanted that to be the experience going in there. Um, a lot of times, yeah, you know, I have more things and I take some out because I want it to to be more simple. I like that. Thank you for that. And, and thanks for doing the show. It's a beautiful show. And um, I mean, listeners can go to the links and see more, but uh, I want to ask you, one more question before we go a little off topic, but what are you reading at the moment? I think you were mentioning it earlier. Well, yeah, I've just finished a couple of Doug Tallamy's books. Um, the the latest one, Nature's Best Hope, which I think I mentioned three times, <laughs> but it's really, it's just such a, an incredible book. He's a, an entomologist and, and he, he, um, he and his grad students, he, he teaches in Delaware, I think, at a university and, and, it might not be Delaware, actually. Um, and they count the insects in trees. They, they've been doing all this research about native plants and just how much support native plants give um, the natural world. And that, you know, if we can um, replant, you know, restore the native plants in, our, um, in, in the areas that we can control, like our gardens, our yards, it can really be a boost for animals, insects, um, and you know the fight against climate change. All of it. it, it he calls them ecosystem services. So it's it's um, the native plants can can basically help uh, create more ecosystem services as opposed to just kind of being a tax. You know, our our grass is just a tax on the world. Like it's it's just it's not doing us any good, and it's it's actually harming harming our um, biodiversity. So read it, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> thank you so much for that. Catherine, thank you for talking to me today and, and, and for producing this beautiful work. Um, I just want to thank you so much for your time and work. It was such a fun conversation. I appreciate it. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.